uh, tonight, Luke chapter number 1. Uh, and again, my uh, thoughts this morning, uh, had uh, they're kind of all over the place, and, uh, and it was kind of a pro-life message uh, for a Christmas message, but it's in the Christmas story, and, and I know that um, uh, that's unusual. That's why I said it was a little bit weird, but I ho- hopefully it was helpful uh, and uh, give you some, uh, some thoughts about that. And, and like I said, there's no, um, there's no other spot in the Bible, for, at least for me, uh, that speaks more to that uh, than that passage of Scripture. And, uh, but that was <clears throat> uh, just a thought that was provoked uh, through some other things. <clears throat> but I want to be in Luke chapter number 1 and look a little bit more at Zacharias and uh, Elizabeth uh, and how God used them, and uh, not so much as why God used them. God has a plan, uh, but we read about two people in chapter number one uh, that God says were uh, were uh, blameless and righteous uh, before God, and and they really are the first people in the New Testament uh, that God says that about. And and so uh, and so what I want to do is I want to look at some of this here, give you kind of four points about why God looked at them that way. Uh, because it's the same, uh, the same points or the same ways that God can look at us. Uh, we have to remember uh, that we can please the Lord, we can displease the Lord. Uh, there are things we say that displease God, there are things that we can do that displease God. Uh, because we're saved and the children of God and we, can't, uh, we believe in eternal security uh, because we believe the Bible, uh, we know we can't sin away our salvation, uh, but I think many Christians abuse the grace of God when God says to not abuse it. Uh, and he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So we, could nev- we should never adopt an attitude uh, that we can just do what we want to do because we are saved. Uh, that's not a godly attitude. Uh, it's not a scriptural take uh, on justification and grace uh, either. Uh, and we don't want to be abusers of God's grace, nor turn the grace of God into lasciviousness or licentiousness. Uh, and, and that's very important for us. So we don't believe that. We don't teach that. We don't believe that. So if somebody tells you, oh, you Baptist, you think you can do whatever it is you want to do and just God's, uh, God's okay with it because you're forgiven, just say, no, no, that's not what we, that's not what we believe. Uh, and show them, uh, at least take them to Romans 6. You can start there with every one of them uh, and tell us that's not my spirit, my attitude about that at all. But what I want to do is begin reading in verse number 5. Uh, in Luke chapter number uh, 1. The Bible says there, and you can remain seated tonight, there was in the days of Herod, uh, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Now, uh, let me stop there just for, just for a second. So everything in the Bible is there for a reason. All right? And so this is not just telling us the time, uh, the time period. And God puts things in the Bible that helps us to, to know that. So we know that Zacharias is uh, serving the Lord in the temple uh, and we can know that it's Herod's temple uh, that was there. Uh, and so it's in the days of Herod, but there's something I'll mention about that here in just a moment. A certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Uh, let me stop there for one thing, uh, one second as well. Um, it was um, an honor uh, in that culture. Um, it's like I, like I said this morning, people want to have man, man children, all right? Uh, but uh, for if someone was going to get their MRS degree in Jewish culture, uh, you'd, want, you'd want to marry a priest, all right? And that was just part of the culture. But what was a, a double blessing uh, in a marriage like that 
if the woman uh, came from a priestly line as well. And so, so she married a priest. She was from a priestly line of Aaron. And so it was like doubly cool. Uh, all right. In that culture and something that uh, that God points out by naming these. So when he puts genealogies and says this person was born of this person, that's not just a historical kind of reason why God puts it in there. It's part of it. Uh, but there's a lot of great uh, stuff. And I'm saying that because uh, <clears throat> this afternoon, um, straight away as I begin to, uh, to study for tonight's uh, message, um, was reading and found something out that I didn't know before, and, it was, and it's kind of really discouraging. I'm going to explain it in the very end, uh, and, uh, and you'll see what I mean uh, once we get there. Verse number 6, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all His commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both, uh, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless our message tonight. Lord, help us from it. In Jesus' name, amen. So it says here that a certain priest, and one of the special purposes of, of St. Luke's gospel uh, is, to, is to talk about uh, the Levitical office. This is... Uh, we often speak of transitional times. And when you think of them writing the Gospels was uh, really after uh, a lot of what had taken place in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Uh, Luke writing Acts. And uh, so you can look up those dates and when that actually took place. Uh, but um, uh, every, everything in the Bible is about Jesus. And, and when the Word of God in the New Testament says that the Old Testament Scriptures are there, uh, they're profitable, they're for, they're for us, there's a way that we can look at it uh, in the grand scheme of things that all that God did in the Old Testament, uh, Christ concealed in the New Testament, Christ revealed, uh, having the complete Word of God in our hands, we can see uh, in the New Testament sacrificial system um, a lot of great stuff that helps us to understand uh, Jesus, the sacrificial Lamb of God, once for all, He's the perfect sinless Lamb of God. And so it's all there, and it's, and it's profitable for us. Uh, and, uh, and so this, the sacerdotal office and the, the efficacy of Christ uh, and the true priest and all these different things, um, all of that was, was preparatory uh, in, in a certain way for us as New Testament Christians as the gospel was, of course, uh, given to us. And we can find a lot of a lot of great truths in the priesthood. Um, by the way, uh, well, yesterday I had on uh, a hat. My son CJ bought me a hoodie and a hat. And if you were here for practice, it had it said Saint on the top and had a had a wing uh, on it. And uh, and the hoodie had uh, the same type of thing. So uh, it's actually a, a a brand, a motorcycle gear brand. Uh, but people like um, oh. You know, you're a saint, <laughs> you know, and uh, but the truth of the matter is, is I am uh, biblically, theologically, uh, Bible says, remember, he says the precious and eyes, the Lord, the death of his saints. 
So if you're saved today, you're a saint. Can I get an amen there? Remember, don't, don't let a in utero John the Baptist outpraise you uh, and, uh, when it comes to church. And so, um, so we, um, we're, we're saints. We're also priests. Uh, we can go to the throne room of grace. We don't have to go through uh, an earthly priest, a man. Jesus, of course, our high priest, our intercessor. Uh, and uh, there are um, many truths about uh, the priesthood. So it says a certain priest named Zacharias uh, was in the temple uh, doing uh, his job uh, as a Levitical uh, Old Testament uh, in the temple of Herod uh, and uh, was there by the altar. His job was to, was to light incense. And, uh, and, and there were thousands uh, of, of priests that had duties uh, on the daily uh, basis there uh, in uh, temple worship. But it also says in the days of Herod, and I said I would uh, reference that uh, quickly tonight, uh, but it makes a great deal uh, or difference in what times, uh, in amid what circumstances in life that we, we live and the influence uh, that those things have on our lives. And uh, so the date when the Bible says in the days of Herod, not just gives us an idea of, uh, of a, you know, this, these dates B.C. And we know what Herod, Herod was wicked. And we also know what he did in once Christ was born and all that was involved and why they had to flee to Egypt and all of that. Um, but it marks a very dark time. And so I see in these verses a contrast between what he says is in the days of Herod, uh, and then here's this man and this woman who the Bible says were righteous before God. If you think in the Old Testament in the days of Noah, uh, all that was taking place, it was so wicked that God destroyed everything. Uh, but, it, but Noah was a just man. Uh, in righteous uh, in the eyes of God. Uh, in godly days, uh, it's, it's not very... Uh, remarkable uh, that one should live righteously. It's kind of like, um, you know, uh, when it comes to eating, right, you were always taught eat your vegetables, you know, eat the stuff you don't like first or whatever. And, and uh, I like ice cream, and I can eat a lot of ice cream. And, um, but it's no chore for me to eat ice cream. Uh, okra, uh, you know, stuff like that. You know, I got I to gotta work uh, at that. So, um, you know, living righteously in a righteous time or like, for example, you think of uh, the times of Josiah or uh, in Ezra, Nehemiah in the revivals that God uh, had given them. And then as they worship God in those moments, they, they got the instruments of David, etc. Uh, we can look at that and say, that's great. But when revival has broken out and there's in religion in that sense of the matter uh, is is popular, um, it's not as remarkable when somebody serves God or lives for God. But when it's when it's in the days of Herod, or uh, when the Bible refers to the end times as it'll be like is in the days of Noah, or we think of New Testament Christians living for God under Nero. Uh, and that's uh, something uh, that can be, uh, that's remarkable. And so uh, when there's a prevailing spirit of unrighteousness, uh, it's, it's harder. That's why God says we're supposed to let our light shine before men. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Uh, not too long ago, I preached the message where I touched on the point that it is so dark in the prevailing, you know, um, spirit of the world is, is wicked and vile. Uh, if, if we're lights in salt, we should be shining just by virtue of how dark it is. It's like, as a Christian, you shouldn't even have to try to shine. 
You should just be like glowing uh, because the, the, everything around you is so wicked and depraved. Uh, and, uh, but such were the times in the spirit of the days of Herod. Uh, and, uh, and here we have this blameless uh, old uh, couple uh, that uh, you know, are mentioned here in the Bible. Amid almost universal corruption around them, they were living for God. Uh, in a simple way, uh, and, uh, and it says, by the way, that both of them, it, it wasn't just <clears throat> Zacharias, the priest, uh, it was uh, Elizabeth, uh, his wife, uh, they were both righteous. And so we get this picture, because the Bible says that they, they lived in the hill country, uh, having been recently there and knowing, of course, where the Temple Mount is, and what would be referred to from Jerusalem as the hill country, and you get away from the old city of Jerusalem, uh, they lived out of town, uh, out, in the, out in the country. So we have this peaceful, pious home of the old priest, uh, and uh, that's kind of outlined there. And they, uh, in the middle of all this corruption, living piously and, and loving God. Uh, and the only thing that marred, uh, if you will, their life, uh, was the fact that they didn't have any children. Uh, in a culture where, where um, having children is important uh, for a number of reasons, God's saying to multiply and replenish the earth, but so many things were tied into. Uh, their, um, you know, their retirement plan uh, was dependent upon how many arrows they had in their quiver. Um, they raised children, and that was how that things went in their inheritance uh, went to their oldest uh, uh, man-child. Uh, and uh, so there are a lot of things tied up. So to not have children in that culture um, was tough. And what probably made it tougher, I mean, they didn't have Facebook and X or Twitter or whatever it's called now, Instagram. Uh, but everybody kind of around you knew you didn't have kids. And, uh, and, so, and, and also in that um, culture as well, uh, there are many people who, well, if, you, if you're not blessed, then something, you must be sinful and something's wrong. And, uh, but difficult for these two uh, because of uh, their faithfulness uh, to God. So uh, their life, their marriage, uh, they were both righteous before God. Outwardly, their lives were blamelessly conformed to, uh, to the law of God. Uh, his commandments and His ordinances. We read about that in verse number 6. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord. Uh, and so they were, they were pious toward God. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's um, apparent by God's goodness to them, God's blessing that's pronounced upon them. And when the Bible says they were walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, uh, that word walking uh, means that it was... Uh, a habitual thing that they did. It was an everyday part of their life. Uh, it's an habitual action. And then, but they were also had good repute uh, to men. When we, when we say this, you know, God sees our heart, man looks on the outside and God sees our heart, all the excuse types of cliches that we make up. Uh, now God does see the heart. Man, uh, man looks on the outside. God also looks on the outside. Uh, and uh, what's on the outside is, is you know, what comes out of our mouth, comes from our heart. Uh, all of those things being what they are. Uh, from Genesis to Revelation, there's no, the Bible is clear that we are to let our light shine. Um, people see our good works so they can glorify our Father, which is in heaven. And, uh, and it is important for us to walk uprightly. 
uh, and to live before God, that our gospel be not hid. Uh, and so testimony in, in, in walking with the Lord, uh, you, are, you can be um, right not only with the Lord, but with men. The Bible says if you love, you love God, even your enemies will be at peace with you. Uh, and so there, there's so many things. So where, where there is a genuine um, righteousness towards God, uh, there will always be uh, a blamelessness uh, towards men. Uh, a man may win the approval of his fellows and yet be neglectful of his duties towards God, but no one can be approved of God and yet fail uh, to deserve the respect of all who know him. And I, I've, I've talked with that uh, or two people about that recently, uh, about having a testimony and being consistent and walking with God uh, and how the, the people in your life will see that. Uh, and they may not agree. Uh, they may not be believers. But if you are sincere and genuine, uh, walking with the Lord, uh, they will respect that. Uh, and uh, we find uh, that, uh, again, over and over in the Bible. So uh, they, he, they were righteous before God, both of them, not just Him. And the Bible says uh, that they walked in all the commandments. And by it's all. And uh, they weren't perfect. Um, I'm sure they didn't keep all of the commandments, but they walked in them. And when they failed uh, under that economy, especially being a priest, and both of them being uh, in lines of priests, uh, would, would do what God required of them do to atone for, to cover for their sins. Uh, and uh, God saw what, how they lived uh, and what they did uh, and, and says that they were righteous and they were blameless. And so why did he say that? Well, um, I think primarily because of their, their blameless life. Uh, God uh, is really laying out for us um, a, a testimony of both Zacharias and Elizabeth that we read in the scripture, we read in these uh, accounts, and I'm preaching it today in a local church in 2023, uh, and uh, God honors that. Uh, and so I believe that God uh, was pleased with them because uh, they lived uh, a blameless life, but also I believe because of his and her faithful service to God. As we read a little bit further down, verse number 9, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense. And when he went to the temple of the Lord, he, he served the Lord. Um, and, and faithfulness is what one of the main things that God requires in his stewards. Uh, and, and when we say faithfulness, uh, I'm not just talking about faithfulness to you know, the assembly, uh, and, uh, but uh, it's faithfulness in all the areas of our life. Being consistent, walking with God, staying true to God's word, uh, making uh, you know, our service to God something that we, we strive for. And it shouldn't be something secondary um, in our life. Uh, it should be uh, something that uh, is a priority in our life. But we also see uh, that he had a prayerful spirit. Um, we notice uh, a little bit further as uh, the verse number 13 uh, once uh, Gabriel appears to him, and, and even if you look at <clears throat> diagrams of, uh, of the, the courtyard and the, in the Temple Mount and where uh, they burned incense, you can, if you look at those diagrams, you can Google them, uh, you can see where they, they did incense, uh, and then you could see uh, or imagine uh, right where Gabriel would have been standing because logistically it just says here that uh, he was standing on the right side of the altar of incense. 
Uh, and so if you can imagine, and by the way, religious people, um, when I say religious, you know, those in this, this you know, sacramental time uh, and, uh, and people of faith, um, we, we long for a touch of God on our life, the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Uh, we, we long for um, God to make himself, t- you know, tangible uh, in ways we pray in good ways. Uh, but, but sometimes God makes himself real in not so good ways, uh, or at least in ways that we don't want. Uh, but he does that for um, his reasons and his purposes. But here's a man who faithfully serving God, a righteous man, loved God, kept, keeps his commandments, all of his commandments, all of his ordinances, both he and his wife, faithfully serving day after day uh, in the temple, uh, and thousands of people praying, and, uh, and he's like incense and like, whoo. <laughs> Hey, uh, and uh, it's like, that'd be kind of a scary thing. And knowing that, uh, Gabriel's like, relax. Uh, and, uh, and he says, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. So he faithfully prayed, not just as a function of his office, uh, but he has, was faithfully praying that God would give uh, he and his wife a child. And, and when, you know, and if you've ever been there, uh, in, in, in your own life trying to, to have a child or you know somebody uh, who is going through all that. And, and even with all the modern advances and all the different things that people do along those lines, um, you know, God gives life. And so I, I, I know people who are doing all, and when we pray, pray does not ignore the, the uh, you know, faith does not ignore the use of obvious means. So people who are praying to have children uh, do all kinds of things uh, in order to make that happen, but, but God's got God's to do it. Uh, and so they faithfully prayed uh, to God that God would give them uh, a child, and he said, fear not, your prayers have been heard. So uh, this man and this woman uh, were blameless uh, in their life and in their walk uh, amongst uh, to God and men. Bible says, as much as lieth in us, live peaceably with all men. Uh, and not everybody is going to agree with you or what you do, but, uh, but God tells us to live above reproach and to be blameless. Uh, those are qualifications uh, uh, in ministry and other types of things. Uh, and uh, there have been uh, pastors that I know uh, who have um, you know, done things that, uh, that some, there's this kind of like gray area. Is that something that they should be ousted for uh, and come down to like, well, they were not blameless. Uh, and uh, and it's, uh, it, it's important that they were, it's important that I am, it's important that you are, uh, and to walk in not just the man, but also the, uh, the wife. Uh, and, uh, and God lays that out there for us in a, in a wonderful way. So they had a blameless life. Uh, God gives them this, uh, this accolade, if you will, in the Bible, this honorable mention for all of eternity uh, because of their faithful service to Him, uh, I believe because of His prayerful spirit. And these are all things that God, when He looks at us, uh, we should want that. We should, we should want to obey the Lord. Uh, we, should, we should desire to be faithful in our service to God, uh, and we should be people who pray. Uh, but uh, I'd like to jump all the way uh, over to uh, the end of, of chapter number one, uh, and we're going to look at, well, we'll back up verse number, um, verse number, well, let's go to 57. 
Now Elizabeth's full time came when she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son, and her neighbors and her cousins uh, and uh, her kinfolk, her family, her relatives, heard how they, uh, the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day uh, they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, No, not, or, not so, but he shall be called John. And they, and they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by that name. Uh, remember people, I mean, naming, you know, you didn't name your kid, you know, Scout. You know, or, you know, the names that people come up with today, uh, there were biblical names and they had meaning. And it was something that, uh, that not only it might describe their character or whatever, but it's almost like they lived by that. Uh, and it was, uh, so it's like, and custom was, you name, you name um, your child after, um, you know, the father, the grandfather. I, I, I've tried with all my kids to get a Robert. Not one of them uh, has done it, and uh, rebellious uh, and uh, wicked. Uh, so, um, so they said, you know, that's not, not so. Um, and he says, they should be called John. And verse 62, and they made signs to his father how he would have him called. Remember, he was made dumb. He couldn't speak because he, you know, didn't believe uh, what Gabriel was saying initially. Uh, so he asked for something, and he wrote, verse 63, His name is John, and they marveled all, and his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake. And notice it says, he praised God. Uh, and fear came on all of them that dwelt round about them, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them upon their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? Uh, and the hand of the Lord was with him, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost, and prophesied, saying, and you can read from verse 68 all the way down to verse number 80. Uh, his lips were open, his mouth was open, uh, and he praised God. Uh, and, uh, and, you, you know, uh, there, are, um, there could have been a chance that he was a little bitter <laughs> uh, for, for going nine months and not being able to talk. Um, but, uh, and, and I don't even think he's like... <clears throat> And he got his voice back and, he, and uh, you know, I mean, he immediately began to praise the Lord and, and runs down, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, and visited, his, redeemed his people. And he runs down a list of praises and praise should be one of the first things uh, that uh, is upon our lips. And so here we have uh, this old couple, uh, well stricken in age, uh, in the country hillside of Judea, just uh, living their life for God. Uh, in a time uh, in the days of Herod uh, where the culture all around them uh, was against um, what they were doing and how they lived, but they were faithful to God anyway. Faithful in walking blamelessly before Him uh, and also before the people. And we know even in the New Testament, Paul would say, hey, you, knew, you know my manner uh, of, of speech, my manner of life. Uh, you think of, of, of priests like Samuel. Uh, in the Old Testament, at the end of his life, it's like, hey, you know my history. And there were things that took place uh, with his kids uh, and stuff like that. But um, faithfulness to God is noticed by God. And faithfulness to God is noticed uh, also uh, by those around you. So um, God, I believe God had a plan for them um, that he had ordained 
Uh, he lays out what I mentioned this morning about John, who he was going to be, what he was going to do, uh, all of that. Uh, and uh, the six months uh, along and Mary and the three months that they hung out together, uh, all of that in the Bible for a specific purpose. And, and, uh, and I want, when I read this story, in one of my favorite Christmas messages to preach uh, are, um, you know, is the forgotten man of Christmas, and that's Simeon. And, and all the intertwining that is involved with that and, uh, and uh, his son Gamaliel, uh, who uh, probably saw his dad who is waiting uh, for the Christ child uh, to be born and so many wonderful things. Not just the manger story, what we read, and there's all kinds of great stuff. And I want to encourage you uh, to get in there and say, all right, uh, what did God love about these two people? Uh, and you just walk with the Lord, and you pray, and you praise God, uh, and you're just faithful in serving God, uh, and you can know that that pleases the Lord. It may not please everybody around you, uh, but you know that it pleases God, and I want to encourage you uh, to do so. But here's, I'm going to show you something that I learned uh, that was new. There's nothing new under the sun, all right? So this afternoon, as I was studying and uh, uh, after what I had preached, <coughs> I, I wanted to find out how old Zacharias and Elizabeth were. And, uh, and so I thought that would be a great little rabbit hole to run down. Uh, and so I ran down it, and, uh, and I found out uh, that, uh, well, let me show you what I found out uh, just briefly uh, here tonight. Um, turn over to the book of Numbers, chapter number 8. Numbers chapter number eight. <clears throat> now remember, God's got an order, and He set up rules. And you know, we don't like rules and or you know standards or whatever. All this stuff we get so bent out of shape. And and I and I believe honestly that ninety nine point nine 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 percent of New Testament Christians wouldn't last one day in the Old Testament. Uh, we are we are too apathetic, too anemic. Uh, we're just not having it. <clears throat> we have, all have authority problems. Uh, we, don't, we don't like people telling us what to do. We don't like God telling us what to do. And uh, so, um, but God is, a, God is a God of order. God is a God of rules. I mean, he was in everything. I mean, every, you know, uh, when it comes to the priest, every piece of their clothing, every jewel that was on it, it all represented something and had to be present. I mean, there, were, they, they had to, uh, there was just a lot of rules. Aren't you glad you live now? Amen. I'm glad. Uh, but there's also lots of little truth nuggets that are in, a, in the Bible that help us to, uh, to understand some stuff as well. So we know the Bible says uh, they, were, they were old. Uh, the Bible says that they were well stricken in age. So there's a lot of indicators that, uh, that you know, to, to be pregnant, like time out. So, so my mind went right to Abraham and Sarah kind of age. That's where my mind went. And uh, whenever I read that, not so. All right. Uh, so look at Numbers, chapter number 8, uh, and then verse number 24. It's talking about the priests, the Levites. And so this is, uh, this, is, this is his job. And it says, This is it that belongeth unto the Levites, from twenty and five years old, and upward they shall go into, wait upon the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. And from the age of fifty years they shall cease waiting upon the service thereof, and shall serve no more, but shall minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of the congregation to keep the charge, and shall 
do no service, this shalt thou do unto the Levites touching their charge. So here's what I learned today. I learned, uh, as we read Luke, uh, that here we have Zacharias performing the duties of a priest. And the Bible says that he was old and he was well stricken in age. Do you know how old he had to have been? 49. Because if he was 50, he could, not, he could no longer do the service in the temple. And, uh, and so when you think about, you know, um, life today and um, medical science and everything else, if you're, if you're a female and you're 40-ish and above, uh, there's all kinds of uh, warnings and, you know, things that people say that, you know, you're childbearing years, you're pushing it when you get above 40. So, so if you can imagine, and that's, the, in, in, in to, that's today with all of our medical advances. Uh, so back then, uh, you know, so, so here's, here's, here's what I'm trying to say. I have bona fide biblical evidence uh, that I'm old. <laughs> so, so when I say and complain about being well-stricken in age and old or whatever, I got Bible. Uh, and, uh, and so, so it was, it was disappointing, but also verified, uh, in my life, at least to one extent, uh, my aches and pains and everything else. And so, uh, so I am, a, we may, we may even lower the age of prime timers to 50, uh, because, uh, the Bible declares that that's a well-stricken, uh, age and, and everything else. So, so that's good news. Uh, some of you next year can come out for the dinner. Uh, in the lunches and things, uh, if uh, all you old people at 49 and 50. Amen? All right. I'm done. Let's stand. Uh, and uh, so live for God, walk for God. God will bless you. And uh, you serve him till retirement age of 49, 50. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, but it's just, it, to me, that's just something I'd never seen before. And when I'm like, I think, well, how old are they? And, uh, and so we, like, for example, we know that Paul was, had to have been married because he was a Pharisee. Uh, and so here we know uh, he's serving, he's actively serving, and he can't after 50. And so he had to be 49 uh, and a very old man. Amen. Uh, so I don't know uh, if any of this has resonated with you today. I hope that it has. Uh, but let's, let's go ahead and uh, we're going to have the piano play and have a time of invitation. And, and uh, maybe tonight we just ask the Lord, help God, help me, Lord, to have a testimony to walk with you and to pray and to praise and to, to serve you that I might please you. And not just to please you, but also uh, to, to, that you can be glorified through the testimony and the life that I live uh, for you. God, use me. Use me like Zacharias. Bless me uh, like Elizabeth. Uh, and help me to be faithful.